Thanks for checking out the Refuge Official Podcast. Wherever you're from, we hope that this message will encourage you and help you grow in your relationship with God. Now, here's our lead pastor, Matthew Malik. Uh, we have some great news at the ministry, uh, and we just wanted to uh, make you aware of it. Uh, we want to congratulate Caneland Early Learning. We operate a, a child's school and a preschool here at the ministry. And they uh, have been announced as the best of Portage County 2019 as a winner for, you ready for this? Has been named the best child care facility in Portage County. Yeah. That's exciting. So to the staff who serve and the families that we serve, we thank you. And if you stand up, if you serve on staff with uh, Carolyn Early Learning, go ahead. Yes, let's give those people a hand. Amen. Thank you. Jennifer is our director, and you know we serve a lot of kids in this community. That really was part of the mission and vision that God gave me way back when, before I ever had children of my own. As we, when I came to this community. Uh, we planted the church. Our prayer was, Lord, what can we do as a church to serve this community? We want to be a servant church to this community. And as we talked to leaders, we realized that child care was a great need. And not that I had any background in that area, but we began to pursue that because God gave that as part of our vision. And this ministry has impacted families uh, for the last 34 years, and we're so thankful for that ministry and those who serve in that capacity. Yes, and so that's also a plug for Refuge Life after the service today. It's raining. What better place can you be? Get a free lunch, you got free child care, and you can hear about how you can become connected to the church if you're not already not connected to Refuge. And so that follows immediately after the service. In the green room across the foyer, uh, you can just go there and sign up, and we would love to have you and be part of that event, okay? And Refuge Life is simply an on-ramp to learn more about the church, to find out what we are as a church, and how you can uh, get plugged in as a place you can ask questions and just learn more, more about what we are all about. All right. So let's join our faith together as we pray. Are you ready for the word? Okay. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for this opportunity to gather together. And, Father, we look to you and we look to the ministry of your spirit, Father, to move upon these people. Father, let their hearts be prepared to receive your word. Help us, Father, to see what we have not seen and hear, Father, things that we may not have heard that can help to build us, to grow us up in you. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and glory and honor. And everyone in agreement says, Amen. So what are core values? Core is, when you think about a core, it's something that's central. It's something in the middle. It's something essential. Core values are really guiding principles that dictate behavior and how um, maybe the action of a company or an organization function. Uh, A core value deals with how we relate internally uh, with the organization and how we deal externally to the community around us. So So for us at Refuge, 
core values are based on biblical principles straight from the Word of God. And so those are guiding principles that govern how we do life together as a church. And so I believe that this series will help to acquaint you with more of the vision of Refuge, what we're all about, and how we as a church can best serve the world that we live in. And uh, we know that there's so much happening in the world today. And I'm thankful for places like Refuge. I'm thankful for places that can become a home, can become a place of safety in the midst of a storm. And we have a natural storm, storm out there, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'd rather be here than out there in the elements, right? Uh, it's kind of nasty sometimes out there. So, But thank you for coming. Thank you for being here. Um, our vision uh, at Refuge is, is something that's important. It's, it's really uh, helps define what we are as a church. And our vision is at Refuge is we believe that all people matter to God. Do you believe that? This is a place where we grow while finding authentic hope, love, and purpose through Jesus. And, and I believe that uh, when you go to church, you shouldn't go just to fulfill an obligation. You should go with an intensity. I want to grow. I want to hear from God. I want something that can help build my life. And also, I want to give. I want to contribute. I want to be a part of what God is doing in the earth. And, and Jesus is the one that established the church. It wasn't my idea. It wasn't your idea. It was Jesus that came up with this concept. In fact, in, in Matthew 16, he declared, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In other words, not even hell can stop the church. And so this is something that's indestructible that we can become part of. And the church is universal for those who have given their hearts and lives to the Lordship of Jesus. But it's also local in how we live and play this out in our communities around the world. And so it's, it's amazing because you can go anywhere in the world and you can worship with fellow believers and you can have that same sense of God's love, affirmation, acceptance. His presence is not limited to one place. And he's here today. And our desire is that you engage and encounter his presence the people that come through those, these doors, our desire is for them to have an encounter with Jesus. Really, what we're here to do is introduce people to Jesus, to the one who is Lord of the universe, to the one who saves, heals, and delivers. Amen. Now, the Bible, how many of you brought your Bibles? And we encourage you, bring your Bibles to church. I know we have these phones that have 30, 40, 50 different translations, and that's good, Okay. But it's good to carry the Bible. Uh, this book is like no other book. The book is the Word of God. The Bible is the Word of God and contains principles of how we're to live. And I believe that rejecting, it is the truth. God's Word is truth, the Scripture says. Rejecting the truth results in believing a lie. So you don't want to reject the truth of God's Word. You may not fully understand it or comprehend it, but then you can study it. And you can discover, and the Holy Spirit can reveal to you what this word is saying to us. But don't be too quick to reject it, because then you're opening yourself up to deception. Now, I'm a life, I'm a man whose life was changed by Jesus. Now, I'm still a work in progress, and so are you. 
But I can testify that my life has been changed by Jesus Christ. And my desire is for others to encounter that life-changing, transforming power as well. Because you can. And, and you can share it with others so they can experience it as well for their life. Now, so far we've uh, covered three of the core values of refuge. The first one, we are people who cannot be broken. Uh, then a family, we are a family that will always forgive. And then last week, Sam did a wonderful job with the third core value that we're peacemakers in a world at war. And today, it's we are a family or we are a body. I'm, I'm going back. Okay. We are a body that when damaged will heal. We are a body that when damaged will heal. And I want you to turn with me to Second Chronicles 7.14. This is the key scripture we're going to look at in this particular message. Um, and, and you need to understand that your body, your physical body, has healing properties. The moment something happens, your body responds to immediately work towards bringing healing. Whether it's a cut, and your, your blood begins to coagulate, and then a scab begins to form, uh, your body begins to be set in a motion to heal itself by God's design. And, and so... In the context of this message and this core value, we need to understand it from that standpoint. We're a body that when damaged will heal. In other words, we may, as a church, we may take a blow from the world. We may suffer some adversity. We may be facing some conflict. But no matter what comes our way, we're going to rebound. We're going to heal. We're going to be restored. And, and yet, Within the church, there are those that are hurting, heartbroken, whose lives have been devastated because of addiction, because of something that has befalled them. But we know that the church is a place to be made healthy, to find wholeness, to, to be made whole and, and, and find well-being. So 2 Corinthians 7.14, this has been a favorite passage of mine over the years that has uh, provoked me to see God. It's provoked me to pray. So let's look at it. And I'm reading from the English Standard Version, and, and the King James Version also is, is good in other translations, but I'm reading this morning from the English Standard Version. It says, If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, this passage, this scripture, really tells us how healing comes. Healing in a broader sense than just physical infirmity. Because healing goes beyond just the physical condition of your body. Uh, it can affect your emotions. It can affect Many other things, your, your finances, your relationships. Uh, healing covers a large spectrum in our daily living, in, in life on this planet, Earth. Now, in fact, uh, and I'm going to break this down, it starts with God's people. It starts with humility. Because pride and arrogance does not win favor with God, does it? 
but it's a posture that actually stands in opposition to him. That's why there's a call to all of us who believe, will you humble yourselves and pray? You can't approach God in prayer without first humbling yourself. It's a requirement. And, and humility is simply posturing yourself to receive from God whatever you need. It could be correction. It could be rebuke. It could be strength for what you're going through. True humility is the ability to receive from God and not just try to do it all on your own. Pride says, I don't need God. I can do it on my own. I'm okay. God, just get out of my face. I can do it without you. That's pride. But humility says, God, I need you in my life. And you cry out to him. And, and so we say, if my people, and, and there's that if, I have a powerful word, a small word, but powerful word. It's a choice you make. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves. And then we see, pray and seek his face. And see, this is prayer that brings you face to face with God. Face to face with God where he is able to reveal himself to you. And mark it down, Jesus wants to reveal himself to you. He wants to make himself known in your life. See, that's the thing that drew me into Christianity. When my older brother shared with me that you could have a personal relationship with Jesus. And I, I looked at him, I said, you're crazy. You've got to be kidding. What are you talking about? Personal, like, buds with Jesus? No way. And, but I knew and I saw such change in his life. And I said, he, he's got something here. He's on something here. It wasn't drugs either. Okay. And, and so he led me into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. He prayed a prayer with me where I opened my heart and my life to Jesus. And my life changed at the age of 17 on May 22nd, 1974. That kind of dates me. All right. You can figure out my age with the, put the figures together there. Anyway. And so... And notice, then it says, and turn from the wicked ways. Now, the word wicked, when you hear that word wicked, you think of the despicable, the evil, the corrupt, the, the bad, bad stuff. But wicked is simply twisting something. Ever hear of wicker furniture? It's all twisted and woven together. Wicked simply means twisting something. And so our lives get all twisted because of wrong thinking, We've allowed wrong perspectives to dominate our actions. And so there's wickedness that may be afflicting us, but you may not have acknowledged or recognized it. But we're to turn from our wicked ways and turn to the word, turn to God's ways. And then, okay, then what happens? The response. God hears. He's going to hear from heaven. Because he has your attention, and you have his. From heaven, he hears you. See, you've made contact. See, it's making a good connection. A lot of you with your cell phones or with your devices, you're always looking for a good connection. Do you have a good Wi-Fi connection? Okay? And, and we've worked on ours. We've upgraded ours here at Refuge because it hasn't always been good. Uh, and I hope it's working today. And, um, but you got a good connection. 
Now, I'm not just speaking Wi-Fi now. I'm speaking, do you have a good connection with God? And, and, and that's, that's what this results in. And when you have that connection, the scripture goes on to say, you forgive your sin. So sin is dealt with in our lives. He not only hears us, but then he deals with our sin. Sin is removed, eradicated. It no longer stands between us and God. He forgives our sins. And then the last part of this says he heals our land. Put that verse back up there again so we can look at it just a moment. Second Chronicles 7.14. We'll forgive their sin and heal their land. Now, we can look at this at a national scope as a nation because we need healing in America. But when you think of the word land, and it, the reference is it's any place where your feet are on. Land represents the life that you live. It's where you are at. So God wants to bring healing right where you're at. He wants to heal your land, the place you dwell, the place you occupy. And so that's, that's important to know that God is wanting to bring healing now, as a church, what does that mean for body? See, there's a role, there's a responsibility for us to bring healing to our culture, to our society that's hurting, that's broken, that's damaged. And so uh, we have an assignment. Um, damage in life can be caused or can be a result of several reasons. And, and see, there are insurance companies out there that protect us from the cost of a lot of damage. You know, if your house gets damaged, your car gets damaged, there's insurance policies that cover that. But sometimes insurance is not God. It doesn't solve every answer. It just helps. It doesn't take away the pain of the injury. It doesn't take away the, the stress and everything else that's related to the damage that you may encounter. But let me share this with you. Damage in life can be caused for several reasons. It can be accidental. You didn't plan on it. It just happened, right? Uh, it could be accidental because of poor judgment, neglect, or negligence. Or it can be willful or intentional. And accidents, however, are unplanned. Auto accidents can cause physical or collateral damage. Ginny uh, Weimer is sitting over here. And I don't know how many years ago it was. How many? 13 years ago, at the time I was at a conference in Colorado, Denver, Colorado, and we got a phone call that Jenny had been in a head-on collision. In her life, she was serious, intensive care, and she wasn't expected to live. Now, when that happened, this church rose up to the occasion, began to pray, to intercede. We even paused the conference, and we were able to, to pray and talk to the leader, and we had uh, the people at the conference begin to pray. People all over were praying. The body rose to the occasion, and God began to move because she, she should not have lived that accident. And the recovery period was, was a long process. But Jenny stood on the word of God. She didn't always give in or cave into the negative report. She believed the scripture in Psalms that I shall live and not die and declare the works of the Lord. And she began to proclaim that and stand on that. And others rallied with her. And healing came to her life. It was a long, slow, tedious process. 
but she's alive today and a testimony to the power of God. Amen. I was thinking, Lord, with this message, what's a good example? Jeannie, you're a good example. A body that when damaged will heal. Now, that's, there's a physical aspect to that because your physical body, you know, the doctors only worked with what they could with through medicine and through apparatuses to mend broken bones uh, and pins and whatever they had to put in you. But, but it was your body itself that was doing the healing. And so you as a member of the body of Christ bring healing because when, when injury occurs, the body goes into motion. To, it, it triggers other elements in your body to take care of that area that's, um, you know, afflicted. Should you ever notice if you, you know, injure a foot or something, you limp? Why do you limp? Because your body is trying to compensate for the pain that is being caused because of that injury to your ankle or whatever. So uh, I'm not necessarily saying that the church is limping, but in some cases the church is limping. <laughs> because, but um, yeah, well, I better move on here. I want to I wanna, I wanna get through this. Oh, I can keep you all day today. What, what are you going to do? It's raining out there. Okay. Okay. Um, now, what's interesting is, is for healing to come, things need to be aligned. There needs to be alignment. Uh, and we have a chiropractor, Dr. Uh, Colton, and, and he talks about the importance of, of lining up your spine. He says, sometimes if we just get you adjusted, then your body's going to heal itself. Because when everything's out of alignment, then healing is hindered and stopped and doesn't progress. And so that's why in the church, we need alignment. And we need to allow the Holy Spirit to bring us into alignment under the, his leadership so that healing can flow, that health can be restored to the hurting, to the broken, to the bruised, to the damaged. Because that's really what God wants to do. There's no case, no matter how horrific it is, for anybody coming through these doors that cannot be healed, restored, and transformed and set free. There's nothing too big for God. There's no mess up that's bigger than God that God can't fix up. Okay? And, and we're in tune to the Father. We're connected with Him. This is a place of healing and restoration. Broken lives, broken people can find restoration, hope, and healing. See, churches can be full of wounded people, including pastors. Pastors can be hurt and broken. And over the years, I've ministered to some that were. And during, over the years, I've gone through difficult times dealing with things, hurt and heartache. But there's something you need to understand. Hurting people hurt people. A lot of times out of their own hurt, they're hurting others and they don't realize it because they're hurting and, and they may be lashing out on you for pain they may have been afflicted in another place. They're just taking it out on you. And, 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 and so that you have to see beyond that at times with people. Dealing with the pain of betrayal, hurt, and unforgiveness is often something that afflicts the body and damages the body. And we can learn from Joseph in the Bible where he's betrayed by his brothers and he forgave them. And, and he really even address what you guys meant for evil and God used for good. God turned that thing around. And so God had turned the junk around and he'll use it to your advantage, believe it or not. 
You might have gone through something horrific, but God can turn that thing around to your advantage. And not only will it bless you, but it will bless others along the way. And uh, See, we don't come to church to seek healing necessarily. We come to seek the healer. We come to seek the healer. The healer is Jesus. And, and when we have that mindset, when we're seeking the healer, healing will flow. And, and people will be touched by the power of God and his presence that can set them free from oppression, that can set them free from guilt, from hurt, from heartache, and from what they've dealt with in this world. And, and we understand that, that healing is a process. It's not just physical. I want to look, you to look at Ezekiel 34.4. It says, The weak... You have not strengthened. The sick, you have not healed. The injured, you have not bound up. The strayed, you have not brought back. The lost, you have not sought. And with force and harshness, you have ruled them. Now, realize this is an indictment against spiritual leadership. And, and when, I, when I think about this, I don't want that to describe us as a church. I don't want people to be turned away and not having found the answer, the hope of life, Jesus Christ, that we present when they come through these doors. Um, When you think about it, I believe that God's desire is that we be a witness, that refuge to a hurting world, that we be a place of healing, that damaged people, dysfunctional people can find wholeness. And see... um, Oh, there's some other things I could, could share with this. But just as a warning, we don't ever want to get to a place where we think we're better than others. And when we look down on somebody because of their pain, when we look down on somebody because of their addiction, when we look down on somebody because of, of what has befallen them, we should never look down on people. We should do whatever we can to lift them up and build them up and help them because that's what Jesus would do. And, you know, you've seen the bumper sticker. You've seen the little arm handbands, wristbands that say, what would Jesus do? It's, it's really looking at what did Jesus do? Because that's looking at what he did is what he wants you to do as well. Okay. All right. Uh, turn with me to First Corinthians chapter 12 because here we see a perfect picture of the body. And uh, the human body is portrayed as the church in this particular passage. And in this passage... The scripture compares the church to a human body. And actually, this analogy, or allegory, helps us to understand the function of the church. The church is his, is his body. It's his hands and his feet. We are the hands and feet of Jesus in this earth. So starting in, at verse 18 in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, it says, But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, that's you, each of them, each one of them, as he chose, okay? Now, this is where you need to learn to cooperate with him and not say, God, I want to be singing on a worship team. And he might want you back in the nursery, okay? Yeah, this is where you need to listen good, okay? <laughs> because it's not necessarily where you want to be. It's where is God selecting, where has he chosen for you to be uh, as he chose. Okay, verse 19. If all were a single member, where would the body be? 
Verse 20, as it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. See, there's no reason to disregard any member of the body. You can't do that. Um, Nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. You know, sometimes, you know, if you think the feet, um, the foot can have an issue. It says, boy, the head gets all the attention. You know, ladies, they put makeup on their face. They put earrings on and they, you know, fix their hair. And all they do to me is they put on an odor eater down here once in a while. You know, that's all I get. <laughs> so the, the feet, unless you've discovered pedicures, okay, uh, that's, that's wonderful for the feet. Treat your feet well, you know, uh, <laughs> ladies. I better get off this. I think I'm, I'm, I'm going on a dead-end street here. I better get, get, bring it back, okay? All right. Um, verse 22, on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And those parts of the body, and those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater Modesty. We got the right translation? Yep, okay. Which our more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacketh, that there may be no division in the body. Notice it says no division. In other words, we can't get hung up because you're not the eye, you're not the ear, you're not this part or that part but you celebrate who you are and, and function as you were called to function. And, but God, okay, verse 24 again, which are more presentable parts do not require, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacketh, that there may be no division in the body, that the members may have the same care. I want to emphasize that same care one for another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and individual members of it. So you count as an individual, but you're part of a body. It's interesting, if you get stung by a mosquito, and it's not the Wisconsin state bird either, that's the Illinois state bird, okay? You, you get stung by a mosquito, did you know your whole body re- reacts and responds to that sting? Your hand immediately says, get that critter. You kill it, first thing. And then next thing, oh, you start scratching it because it's irritating. You know, your whole body responds to a mosquito bite. When one member suffers, we all suffer together. We all feel that pain and somehow respond. Hmm. So how are we a body that heals? Well, I believe first and foremost, it must become our mindset. And, and secondly, we must receive healing ourselves to minister healing to others. See, there's a, a, a scriptural foundation and a promise to believe that we have straight from the word of God. See, some people can be stubborn and they can refuse medical attention even though the body is giving them symptoms that they need to attend to. You know, if you, if you are having chest pains, 
and you wake up every morning with chest pains and you're going through the day with chest pains, that's a warning. You need to do something. Don't be too proud to not make an appointment and go see the doctor or get attention for that symptom because it could lead to something very serious and you may be leaving the earth. And we don't want that to happen anytime soon, okay? Jeremiah 30, verse 17. This is a promise we see given to the prophet Jeremiah. I will restore health to you and your wounds. I will heal, declares the Lord, because they have called you an outcast. In other words, it doesn't matter. It says it, it is in Zion to whom no one cares. It doesn't matter if people say, no one cares for me. I'm nothing more than an outcast. You are the, the one that's subject to receiving healing and restoration. That's a promise that God's given to us. God wants to restore health to you. He wants to restore health to his church in this earth, the body of Christ. Jeremiah 33, verse 6 says, Behold, I will bring it to health and healing, and I will heal them and reveal to them abundance of prosperity and security. See, this is God's heart to bring healing to the hurting, to bring health and healing and reveal his abundance to us. Even when it comes to discipline, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about the discipline of the Lord. And nobody likes to read that chapter because no one likes to receive discipline. It's really a rebuke. It's when God comes along and, and corrects you. But as a parent loves their child, they're going to bring correction to that child, right? If a child doesn't care, they'll just let the child do what he wants and get in trouble and end up in jail and end up in prison. But a parent that has a true love for a child will bring discipline. And, and this is in verse 13 in, in Hebrews we see, 12, 13. He'll make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but rather be healed. In other words, there's some dislocation within the church. There's dislocations in our life that needs to be put back in its socket so that things won't be dislocated out of sorts, but that there will be health and healing. Now, what's interesting, and we don't have time to get into it, but Mark chapter 16, verse 18. Did you know that every believer has been commissioned to lay hands on the sick? Jesus said, these signs shall follow them that believe. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. That's something that we should be doing as a body. We should be ministering and praying for others that are sick and afflicted. You might say, but what if they don't get healed? Uh, that's not your part. That's God's part. Your part is to lay hands on them and pray and, and trust God and believe God and believe Jesus to do the rest. And um, so I want to close with two passages. The first is in Acts 10 verse 37 and 38. And just to give the backdrop here, Peter is preaching at Cornelius' house. He had a home meeting, and uh, Cornelius was a Gentile. He had a vision from God, and in this vision, he said, get a hold of this Peter guy because he's going to bring a message to you uh, that you need to hear. And it was a message of the gospel. It was a message of salvation. And uh, because he lived in uh, Israel, he was aware of Jesus. He was aware of the church and, and heard different things about what was happening through Jesus' ministry. So in verse 37, uh, Peter is, is preaching to Cornelius in his house. 
He says, you yourselves know what happened throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John proclaimed. Verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. So God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit, with power. And what did he do with that? What did he do with the Holy Spirit, with power? He went about healing all that were oppressed with the devil. See, this isn't just physical sickness and disease or need of physical healing, because the devil is an oppressor, and he has oppressed mankind. And, and what Jesus said when he's on this earth, the things that I've done shall you do also. And greater things shall you do because I go to the Father. So just as Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, guess what? He's still doing that today. And he's doing it through his church. He's doing it through his body. And there's something Jesus decided that he was going to do. He was going to build this church. This church would be his gateway to this world to minister his love, his compassion, his forgiveness, his redemptive message to a lost and a dying world. 1 Peter 2.24. We're going to close with this passage. This is speaking of Jesus. Peter, again, he's preaching here. This is a, a few books later towards the end of the Bible. And he states, Jesus in reference to Jesus, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. Guess what? You can be dead to sin. Sin doesn't have to rule, dominate, control your life any longer. And notice it says, by his wounds, you were healed. It's interesting to think about the concept of redemption one of the aspects of redemption is this word called substitution, where Jesus took something that we were supposed to get and gave us something that he had in his place. In other words, he took the penalty of our sin and paid that penalty. He became the substitute so that we could go free, so that we could be forgiven. The wounds that he bore, the beatings that he received by the Roman soldiers. Every blow, every bruise, every strike of that whip that tore into his flesh was for your healing, was for your wholeness. He paid the price so that you could be forgiven, so that you could be healed, so that you could be made whole again. See, all of us are broken people. We've been broken down by sin. We've been broken down by the lies of this world. We've been deceived. We've lived in deception. But then Jesus came and he brought the truth. In fact, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And he came with a message of love, reconciliation, forgiveness. And that message that he extended when he walked this earth is extended to us here now in this present time. And it's simply, will you believe in Jesus? Will you trust him as the one who died in your place, that became a substitute, 
that took your pain, your brokenness, your heartache, so that you could be healed, so you could be forgiven and made whole. If you would take a moment, just bow your heads, and without anybody looking around, I want to offer and extend an invitation to you. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I know my life is not right with God. I know, and I don't feel like I'm good enough. In fact, you might not even feel that you're worthy of God. And it's not really a matter of you being worthy. That's not your determination. That's not your choice. Worth is determined by the one who desires to possess something. And Jesus desires you. He longs for you. He loves you. And he desires you to be connected with him. And he's placed a worth on you, even though you might not think you're worth anything, that your life is worthless. In fact, God so loved the world that he sent Jesus. So in one sense of the word, we could say, you are worth Jesus to God because he is willing to sacrifice his son to get you so that you could come to him. So if you're sitting there this morning and you say, Pastor, I'm at a point in my life where I'm ready to surrender my heart to Jesus and open my life to him. I know that my life is not right with God. And you're in this place today because I believe God's ordained to begin to minister in areas of of your life. So if you lift your hand and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm ready to, to give it to Jesus, to surrender my life to him, my heart to him. Thank you. Thank you. Let's stand up together. Jesus, the healer, is here today. He's here to heal your broken heart. He's here to forgive you of your sins. He's here to restore what's been broken and to set right what is wrong. Do you believe that? I want you just to lift your hands to him as a form of surrender. And that might be a stretch for some of you. But we're going to pray a believer's prayer together for those that raised their hand earlier, indicating their readiness to receive Jesus as their Lord and accept him. Repeat after me, Heavenly Father, with with uplifted hands, I surrender to you. Lord Jesus, I surrender to your Lordship. I invite you to come into my life and to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins and making my life what you want it to be. In Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, I now receive healing. Make me whole again. Restore my life. Cleanse my heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Now, whatever you're facing, whatever you're dealing with, just begin to talk to the Lord right now. Just talk to him in your own words. Just reach out and and ask God to move in your life. Ask him to reveal himself. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I pray for this congregation. And Father, I pray that you extend forth your hand to heal and deliver. Thank you, Jesus, that you're the one who sets the captive free. 
Thank you for opening up blinded eyes, opening up deaf ears, so that we may see, that we may hear you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Remain standing as we worship God. At the end of the service, we're going to open the front up here for those that desire prayer. If, if you need healing in any, of any sort, uh, physical, mental, emotional, relational, or if you made a decision to follow Jesus today, the prayer team will be up here, and, and we want to just join our faith with you, pray with you. God's here, and he's going to reveal and make himself known in your life. Let's worship him. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Thank you so much for listening. If you would like to connect further with Refuge, feel free to go online to wearerefuge.net or on social media at wearerefuge.